welcome to Femtech Focus with Dr. Brittany Barreto, exploring the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Welcome to the Femtech Focus podcast, where we have meaningful and provocative conversations with femtech experts. These academics, doctors, and innovators tell us about the past, present, and future of women's health and wellness. Before we get started, I want to remind everyone about our Cindy Eckert event on May 6th from 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time. Cindy is a badass who wears this hot pink blazer. She's my total role model. She's so cool. She was the founder of Sprout Pharmaceuticals that created the first FDA-approved drug for women with low sexual libido. A lot of people refer to her drug as the female Viagra. Well, she went on to sell that company for $1 billion. She's legitimately a pink unicorn. We are going to do a fireside chat with her on, again, on May 6, 2 to 3 p.m. Central Time, a fireside chat between her and I, and then we are going to answer your questions. So if you have a question for Cindy, make sure to get your ticket, submit your question so we can ask her. Where do you get your tickets? I'm glad you asked. You can get it by following our social media pages, Femtech Focus, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places, y'all. And also you can go to our website, femtechfocus.com. Get your tickets there. In today's episode, I interviewed Crystal Evalocha. Crystal is the CEO and co-founder of Clit Health. Clit Health is a sexual and reproductive health care platform targeting young women who have questions about sex and reproductive health. Crystal is this super inspiring story of immigrating to the United States in college from Nigeria, where she grew up with this family that was, you know, pretty conservative culturally, and they didn't talk about sex. So she came over here to the United States, she went to undergrad, and all of a sudden had a lot of questions, and the only resource she had was Google. And so that is what inspired her to launch Clit Health. It's a culturally sensitive and safe platform for ladies to get their questions answered and therefore be empowered and take control of their health. This has been an awesome interview. I hope you enjoy it. I'm actually in uh, Los Angeles. So um, I, I lived in, uh, sorry, I lived in Houston for a while and then I moved to Austin uh, for a little bit and then I moved to LA and I've lived here ever since for the past three years now. Cool. Yeah. I would um, love to know about the femtech scene in LA. Is it strong out there? So it is growing. uh, Definitely. I know like, you know, a few femtech companies. uh, One, I don't know. Are you familiar with um, Come and Gone? Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was actually mentoring her on her term sheet. So yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, I know her, uh, we went through the same like incubator program. Um, so I know her well. Um, and then there is, uh, Melissa Hannah, um, with mommy. Oh, I don't know her. If you can give, make me an intro. <laughs> For sure. So it's M-A-H-M-E-E. Yeah. I know the company. I just haven't met the, her oh, yet. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So Melissa, um, I know she I haven't spoken to her in a while, but I saw her a few weeks ago. Um, she works out of Scale LA, so it's like a health-focused um, um, 
kind of like a co-working space mm-hmm. and they do like different programs and stuff like that in Los Angeles. Uh, so she's super cool to, uh, I'm trying to think about other folks in LA. Um, I mean, there's like the doulas. Um, I don't know if it's tech. Hmm. That's one thing. Yeah. But what uh, do you Erica, think about the atmosphere there? Do you think it's well received by people? Like, do they know what femtech means and you know, I definitely want to hear from you about, you know, your company's name being Clit Health, right? Yeah. It's like, how how does LA receive Clit Health? I mean, it is LA. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, it is, I mean, it, it has received, like, its fair share of, like, eyebrow raises and, like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. You know, a lot of people reach out to us even for the name, like, oh my God, like this is such a bold name and has such a great mission and so forth. Um, so that is like the reception. I mean, there are some conservative folks who, you know, might be somewhat like, oh, what is that? Why is that? Um, so, I mean, I, I don't personally have conversations with those people, but I do know they exist. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I know there is a huge push, you know, all over the country and even like, in LA for like femtech and it being super hot and, you know, a place where a lot of investors are now getting more and more interested in being in, um, a lot of the work that people are interested in doing now or, you know, focused on like fertility, um, you know, postpartum, pregnancy, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but our work is very different. So ours is on, you know, for young women. Um, so anything before the point of getting pregnant um, okay. or even deciding to get pregnant. So college age specifically being a very like overlooked and underserved demographic when it comes to sexual reproductive health um, and just femtech in general. So, so yeah, that's kind of my field. Um, not, I don't know a lot of people in that field, especially for like young people. Um, the majority, like I said, are focusing on something totally different. Yeah. Uh, so we're trying to, you know, that company that is, you know, making a difference, you know, for that demographic. So, yeah. yeah. So what is the main ages of your consumer? So 15 to 34. 15 to 34? Mm-hmm. Cool. And Tell us about Clit Health. You know, what are you what are you working on? What are you providing to these young women? So I, I mean I can start by giving you like my personal background. Perfect. Yeah. Tell us about your background. <laughs> so um so um like I said, I am an immigrant. So I'm originally from Nigeria. I moved to the U.S. in 2010 for college. Um, I moved to Houston. Uh, then I started my first company called Vanilla Cristal. So making uh, men's accessories was an e-commerce company. We made uh, ties, bow ties, lapel pins, and things of that nature uh, with African fabric for men. Um, you know, generate revenue there, you know, had a personal, and this was while in college, actually, so had a very personal, like, health care myself, you know, being someone who came from a background that's not very, like, you know, open about those types of conversations, being super conservative, right, uh, African parents who don't want to talk about, you know, sexual or reproductive health at all until you're, like, married, you know, ready to have children, um, essentially being like marriage being for pro- procreation only mm-hmm. <laughs> and sex for that purpose, right? Um, abstinence above everything else. So, you know, coming to the U.S., navigating like the new, my new environment, um, my new, um, you know, I guess lifestyle, so to speak, in terms of like being sexually active, being like at that age, I actually moved here when I was 17. Uh, so I, um, 
so in that time, I, you know, started to experience different changes, like I said, um, started to, you know, feel this one time pain in my abdominal region during my period. Uh, coincidentally, you know, it just felt like it was like period cramps. So I Googled everything under the sun um, and I found many, many resources that were very similar to what I was experiencing. So I started, you know, self-medicating for period cramps. Um, fast forward, you know, a few, slightly just a few days after that, I felt extreme pain actually. And I, I passed out and I was rushed to the hospital for emergency surgery on a condition that, you know, had nothing to do with anything I found online. Um, you know, really scary, traumatic experience for me, like I said, being someone who's in the country for a first time by herself, you know, having family back home, and then my parents have to pay, like, this huge bill uh, for something that could have, you know, been caught earlier, or at least avoided to some degree. Um, so that got me thinking about, you know, accessible ways to, you know, provide young women like myself with um, access to correct experts and not you know, unverified web pages. Um, a lot of the reasons why I went ahead to do that kind of stemmed from, you know, not wanting to talk about what's going on, just feeling really ashamed about, you know, what's happening, and uh, not wanting to, you know, tell my friends about it, not wanting to tell my parents about it, because, well, why are you having sex in the first place? Like, mm-hmm. why are you experiencing things that, you know, you shouldn't be experiencing? So I was like, maybe it's not even a sexual thing, maybe he's just curious, maybe, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I... You know, just convincing myself that that was the case. <laughs> um, and, you know, that got me personally really starting to advocate for, like, young women being able to share uh, what's going on with them, you know, telling stories, building community around those stories so people are, you know, don't feel like they're alone in certain types of situations and knowing that it's not, like, uncommon for you to, like, feel which way or the other. Um, also, like, you know, being a young person, knowing like the different services that are available to you, you know, the cost of care would be super high. Like a lot of people had told me, if you go to a doctor, you would have like tens of thousands of dollars in bills. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine like a student being like, hell no, I don't want to do that. But then having to go through this other traumatic event and now paying like way more for that yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so essentially that's pretty much why I started Cliff Health. So I started Cliff Health in December, 2018. Um, you know, started working on the product itself um, to um, solve this problem. So we're a digital health platform that connects young women to trusted clinicians. So OBGYNs, nurse practitioners, midwives, sex therapists, um, and other health experts uh, to answer intimate sexual and reproductive health questions through a secure live chat on their phone. Um, So we currently have it all chat-based. So it's very easy, very simple to use. Users can just go download, um, sign in, and type in the question they want in like a search bar that says like, what question would you like to ask an expert? And then um, be, and see like our list of different experts who they can now chat with um, from different, you know, diverse backgrounds and, you know, certifications and stuff like that. The experts have their profiles, which show like how they're rated by other users, which is kind of a point of data that our users really like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just understanding how other people have related with them and so forth, uh, knowing their certifications, uh, their specialties, uh, all our clinicians are LGBTQ friendly, you know, we focus on cultural competency above everything else, uh, just knowing that, you know, you shouldn't be taking care of people on a generic, like, spectrum, right, just asking them the right questions, knowing, you know, their sexuality, their gender, their, um, or like identity and, you know, their ethnicity and their backgrounds and stuff like that being really important points of 
you know, data to actually help someone in the way that they want to be helped in a way that's useful to them. Um, so yeah, so essentially that's the platform. Um, everything, like I said, is chat-based right now. We are rolling out, you know, video consultations and telemedicine, um, you know, post-COVID and everything that's going yeah. on. Um, we're at this point where we are, you know, releasing our video. Um, so, you know, you can now initiate a conversation with a doctor, schedule appointments, um, and have those video calls on their phone. Same thing. Uh, our platform um, is HIPAA compliant. Uh, it's something we've been working on for a while, and we finally got our badge. <laughs> and, you know, proud about that. Um, what we are doing, you know, is, like I said, focusing on the very, very young demographic, you know, catching them young is mm -hmm. what we like to say. Mm -hmm. so, okay, we are this company that is definitely destigmatizing the conversation around sexual reproductive health first, right? Um, and providing access at a low cost. So there, you know, there isn't that stigma and shame issue. There isn't that cost issue. And there's also not that accessibility issue in terms of even like, making sure people are getting answers to their questions whenever and wherever they want it. Like with young people being on their phones every time, you know, texting, it is the age that we're in, right? A lot of even the doctors that we are, you know, onboarding on our platform are, you know, doctors who are, who want to do this for many reasons outside of even the, you know, cash incentive, right? Wanting to reach a broader audience. If you look in the landscape now, there's this newer wave of like the TikTok doctor, right? Mm. The doctors who, want to reach a younger demographic um, and are looking for ways to kind of, you know, share proper educated information about health. That's not stuff that's just generic. Oh, that's just found on Google. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me, so, yeah, so, let yeah. me stop you right there. Wow. Oh my mm -hmm. gosh. First of all, thank you for what you do. This is so important. <laughs> You know, we've had, um, we've already interviewed two um, femtech founders that are doing, you know, one created a sexual wellness, you know, pharmaceutical product and sold that company. Another is Rosie, which is a sexual wellness app. But, you know, she was targeting women that are already in relationships and are struggling with decreased libido. And so I'm really yeah, yeah. excited to have somebody on the, on the show that's doing sexual health, but for the demographic that's probably you know, many not having sex yet or just had sex, you know, over the first time and it's their early experiences. That's so important. Right. No, for sure. Um, and, you know, being vulnerable to a lot of things, you know, a lot of the people who we are, you know, are part of our demographic or, you know, young people, like I said, who are looking for birth control options, right? Looking mm. for like fertility options later down the line in life. So it's, it is important to even understand those options and understand what it entails, right? So you're not waiting till you're way older and now you're like high risk of X, Y, Z and you don't know what to do, right? So just making sure they're informed as early as possible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with college students being at really, really high risk mm -hmm. of like STIs, having a lot of unsafe sex um, because, hey, they don't want to, like, I always tell uh, my fiance, like, when we have kids, I want to make sure we send them up to college with condom packs. We send them up to college, like, prepared because, I mean, 
for a lot of parents, like the thought is just, it's not usually like, oh, I want my children going up and having sex. No, I want my children, if they decide to have sex, to do it safely. Yep. Right. Yep. And be able to have open and honest conversations. Because when I think about myself, there's so many things that could have avoided if I had had those open, honest conversations. That's right. But, you know, have to learn on your own, you know, in behind closed doors. Yeah. And that's really you know a lot of those things leading to unwanted pregnancies and you know even the higher um, maternal debt rates for young women imagine like women of that age between 15 and 19 you know being too young probably to have children being like you know um, or losing their lives that's really scary you know because they weren't informed so we're in this place where we're like okay to solve the maternal health issue we feel like it is important to cater to everyone and start talking as soon as possible that's right. right and just removing that layer of fear and shame like okay our company is click health and we are destigmatizing this conversation yeah uh, we're the big system who you can come to and talk to about anything about your health. If we're called Cliff Health and we're providing you with valuable information, you shouldn't feel ashamed. Like we, a lot of stuff we're focused on is just being, um, you know, cool and hip and, you know, sharing rightful information. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what you have to gravitate to. And that's what young people actually need. Yeah. Um, so yeah. When, when did you, really when did you launch Clit Health? When did it go live? So we went, we actually uh, launched, um, we did a private beta um, last year um, in October. So it lasted for about three months. And then we went live February 22nd. Uh, we had a launch party in LA and then we, we opened it, it up to the public. Um, so yeah, so I would say since February till now, it's it's a couple months now with COVID and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and is it an app in the app store that, or is it just a web browser? So it is an app in the app store. Our apps are available on the Apple and Google Play stores uh, for download. Um, right now, we are giving out like free uh, credits to young people to just ask the questions that they have. Uh, we have a, a code. It's, Cliff Insider, so like K, capital K, capital I of a Cliff Insider that we've been sharing with young people to kind of like just chat with an expert um, and they get to refer their friends and so forth. So, you know, trying as much as we can to be a resource, especially in this time, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the work that we're doing is with colleges and universities. So, you know, these colleges and universities have all these students that are covered by their student health plan, but don't necessarily have like a virtual resource to talk to clinicians. So we're providing our platform to them as a resource. Uh, and we've received a lot of like really positive feedback, even from like the students themselves and like students even wanting to bring the product on their campus, yeah. uh, which is super exciting. Like, oh, like I heard about this thing and they're focused on, you know, university students, let's bring it on. And, you know, with like student bodies and groups being super influential, you'll be surprised like now young people are actually actively trying to take care of their health yeah. right? versus how it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. Well, if not even that long time ago, like when I was in college, you know, people not really being able to even want to attend anything sexual health related or like mm-hmm. not even thinking about it as like a important thing to do. 
Um, but what we're seeing is, you know, the healthier students are on campus or just in general, the better they focus on school, yeah. um, the, you know, the better their grades are, you know, they're, you know, actually engaging in things that are important versus leaving school because you're sick or you don't know what to do. You have like a UTI or like a yeast infection or like something where you're just like, oh my God, I can't go to my class because of that. But it's like, uh, maybe you can, you just need to talk to someone to like ease your, you know, um, stress and like give you the right information. And we're trying to, you know, come in there when they need it. So, yeah. Well, you know, I went to college in 2019, graduated in 2013. My Our sex ed in co- college that I went to was during orientation, there was a man who came in and gave us a presentation. And I remember one thing from that, you know, this is over 10 years ago, but I remember the only thing he said that has stuck with me is, Wearing a condom during sex is like uh, wearing a raincoat outside. And so you may, as men, you may not want to do that. And so what I recommend is you put two drops of lube inside your condom. And like, I don't know why, but like that has stuck with me for 10 years, you know, about how to make it more pleasurable for the man. I don't remember anything about like wearing the condom because it's about safe sex. I don't remember STIs, STDs. All I remember is like, Oh, that's how I can make it better for the guy. Cool. Like, that's all I walked away with. That is, wow. I've, I've heard so many things. That is a very interesting one that I've never heard of. <laughs> um, so we, we had done uh, this, oh, like, wow. <laughs> I love these types of stories because it just shows you how, you know, not great the world is. Um, so, mm-hmm. So we had we had done this um, campaign. It was called the Good Vagina Story Campaign. Uh, it is on our website. Uh, we kind of were collecting stories from women, just sharing things. We started it out in like blog post method, and mm-hmm. we had people like submit stories um, in our community. Um, on and then we started doing video. And one, so my co-founder, her name is Cassie Gibson. Uh, she she is like a she's a super designer so she's a user experience designer so she does help products for people who have certain types of disabilities so she, her focus is on inclusive and universal design and you know she's someone who's really vocal about all these types of things mm-hmm. but then also you know she grew up in texas she went to rice university um her family was super super conservative mm-hmm. and then she said um, you know, it's funny how like all her work is in this field and like being an advocate for this. But when she was growing up, um, and she mentioned this in her personal story, when she was growing up, someone had told her that like in like a sex ed thing that girls' bodies were like cakes. Oh and my god! And why? Tell me why. Why are we like cakes? We're like cakes because. Um, Every time you have sex, you give out a slice of your cake and you don't want to give out a slice Oh, my of God. Oh. And I was like, wow, that's sex education. How great. And it's like folks like thinking that that's something that young people can relate with. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, and being so misinformed about like the best ways to communicate certain things to certain demographics, especially young people. Don't. Don't tell a young girl she's a cake and she shouldn't give out slices of her cake. Yeah. <laughs> As you know, 
the point of like sex said this is what sex is like you're giving something away that you can never get back and yeah you know not really thinking about the dangers of unsafe sex right mm-hmm. um, we do know there are many dangers of unsafe sex you know all the things like stis and one in pregnancies and whatnot but also being like if you do engage engage safely not don't engage because when you tell someone don't engage they're curious we're young mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. My- even more and do it in private in a way that's totally unsafe um so yeah there's like so many people who've had like different experiences of people just telling them all the wrong things and yeah. just going through life just figuring it out yeah um and acting in that situation and I know people have also mm-hmm. so <laughs> well you know one of my goals with femtech focus is that we are not going to be an angry group we're not going to be angry because anger usually doesn't yeah. create change and we're also not going to be like a shameful group where we, we are trying to dis destigmatize shame. So therefore we shouldn't shame people that originally shamed us. And so I do want to put a plug in there. Like maybe the, the terrible techniques of educating, uh, sex ed is potentially just due to like, we don't have that language established, right? Like those lesson plans aren't created. And so like, it's not like there's all these amazing protocols and guidelines and playbooks and that these people are just, you know, who's doing sex ed in college or high school or whatever, are just going off script, making up cake, making up raincoat analogies, right? It's that they literally have nothing to go off of. Is Do you agree? Do they not have anything to go off of? I totally agree. And, and this is also coming from someone who, you know, comes from a different country where, a lot of the times you can't really teach someone something you don't know yourself. Exactly. Right. So if someone like, I would say for my parents, like if they never had sex educational conversations and all they grew up in church and they didn't really um, have any other type of conversation, Mm -hmm. that's the conversation they can pass on. Not necessarily because they're super close minded. Like my mother, for example, she's super like, She's the most chill mom ever, right? But the conversations she would have sometimes are just simply based on what she knows, yeah. right? She's like, this is how I was taught, so this is how I'm going to teach you versus... And she's also really always open to learning. So even like telling her about like what I'm working on, she's super excited about it. Very, You can imagine like very different from when I was growing up, right? And just the more you empower people with the right ways to educate. And that's something we're trying to do, like creating some kind of a playbook, so to speak. Yep. Right. Yep. That people can learn from and be like, okay, maybe this is a better way to talk to young people. Um, maybe you should do this because there are in good intentions. I would like to agree mm-hmm. um, for like even having those sex ed conversations. Like it's not an abstinence conversation. It is a sex education conversation that kind of leads to like abstinence or like, you know, like you said, like pleasure for the man instead of the woman. Like maybe that person just didn't know what else to chime in or talk about. Like, you know, not saying that maybe men know more about men and vice versa, but maybe that's what he does know, right? Maybe that's (laughs) all he knows. (laughs) But <laughs> having people be like, okay, this is how you talk to boys and girls and people who identify as whatever they identify yep, as, yep. you know, be super inclusive in those conversations yeah, yeah. and just make sure they're like, okay, when you walk into this room, maybe there's people who identify as this. So try not to say these types of things, mm-hmm. you know, even educators themselves, making sure that, you know, they're passing on that information. So yeah, I mean, not to shame anyone or anything. I know people just yeah. know what they know at the yeah. end of the day. 
but just, you know, starting these conversations and starting, you know, creating like a landscape that allows everyone involved to learn Mm -hmm. um, how to proper, like, you know, send the right message. Yeah. So those out there with a uh, cake analogy uh, work plan (laughs) for your students, uh, no shame. Just look up Clit Health. (laughs) Just look them up. So, you know, that actually brings me to, it sounds like your platform is mostly for the young, you know, woman to ask questions, but is it also a platform for sex educators to get information? So, yeah, so that is something we are definitely working on. So we do have uh, free expert tips and a blog uh, that is connected to the app as well, uh, where sex, well, health and sex educators can share information. Um, right now on the app, we actually have a sex therapist. Um, she's a doctor of uh, human sexuality, and we plan to onboard more. Uh, she does get a lot of questions all the time. Uh, so we're seeing that, well, this is something that people do need. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a place that feels safe for them. Um, you know, absolutely. There's different, like, folks who, you know, focus on population health. And, like, you know, a lot of, like, uh, MPHs who write different things on our uh, blogs, uh, folks who specialize in, you know, educating young people. So adolescent care um, who write different things. So, you know, we're still, you know, obviously like, you know, since we're a new company, we're constantly looking for folks who are specialized in those fields who want to educate our audience some more mm-hmm. um, to, you know, with the opportunity of writing codes, um, doing, you know, different, you know, initiatives to just kind of drive the message home. Yeah. So, yeah. How many questions have been asked on your platform so far? Do you know that number? Huh. So I would say we have about... I mean, since February, we've grown from about 2,000 to about 5,000 plus. We've had people asking questions maybe two to three times. Uh, I was trying to do the math as far as like, okay, so people, we've seen some people ask like four questions, and then it turned out they asked like two, three questions, and they, they refer their friend, and they go more, and we're like, oh, that's what happened. Oh. Um, so like, I would say like three to four questions uh the users have been asking, uh, you know, coming back for different things. And, but there is like a general theme still, you know, like I said, like fertility, birth control. Some people ask questions around like uh, PCOS, right? And like weight gain due to different types of conditions and stuff like that um, and how to manage their health. Um, we're even looking at nutritionists because some of those questions are related to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're constantly monitoring the kinds of questions. Our, Chief Medical Officer, her name is Dr. Candace Frazier. She is in charge of that endeavor. And she she is, you know, just as part of like compliance and guidelines, the only person who gets to see those types of questions. So she's a better, you know, person. But just from her analysis and what she's seen and what she's shared with us, you know, it was two to three. And those are like, that's like the general theme. Like, wow. how do I get for control? Wow. Um, how do I, guys, how do I do this and that? And even some older people, um, asking questions about like, you know, sex and like, how do I enjoy, you know, this better? Like, is, you know, I'm not enjoying sex. Like, how do I, you know, make my partner feel, you know, this, or how do I teach my partner about how to make me feel and so forth. So we're having like a variety of those types of things. Um, and we're just, you know, like I said, we're new and we're just looking to learn more as, you know, our user base grows as people ask more questions. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. You're in that exploratory stage, right? Where the market's starting to tell you what you should be and offer, right? Um, exactly. 
so Evine, if you have about 5,000 users and they're asking you two to three questions, I mean, that's like 10 to 15,000 questions in the last two months. <laughs> that's a lot. I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we do have like a good amount of providers. Yeah. We're trying to do is kind of like balance out our user base mm -hmm. and our provider base. Um, you know, so as we grow, as we get more users, we grow our, you know, provider base yeah. simultaneously. Right? Well, you um, know, what, what it tells me is that people have questions. Right. Like, right. If you've had that many questions in this amount of time, like people have questions. And people do have questions. It's just a matter <laughs> of like finding the safest space to ask mm -hmm. these questions and proper answers. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, a lot of people every day go on the internet to search sexual reproductive health questions for all the reasons we just mentioned. Like mm -hmm. it's free, it's accessible, it's, you know, private, it's anonymous. They act every single day. Um, so finding a platform like this where you can ask like even more intimate questions and get direct answers, particularly to your case, is something that people are looking for. Um, so yeah, we're out here just trying to reach as many people as possible, answer as many questions as possible, and make sure they're having a good experience while they're doing it. Yeah. So. I'd love to dive into your um, clit health values. So I saw you have some values on your homepage. What are those values? And and the two I'd love for us to talk more about is um, uh, affordability and the cultural differences. So yeah, so our so right now we are looking for ways. I mean, on the affordability piece to make you know the platform as you know you know cheap or free as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, idea around right now, it is $10 for conversation. And the idea around that is, you know, making that price point less than the average copay, um, for folks who may or may not have insurance. Right. Yep. Um, and being able to even subsidize that as much as possible, you know, through folks like insurance or like Medicaid and so forth. Um, and looking for ways to like just make sure it is a, the young demographic, right? Might not be able to afford even ten dollars. So we're seeing, okay, how? What are the different ways we can implement uh, to make sure it is the cheapest price as possible? Because we don't want people turning away because they come in and they're like, oh, I want to have a question, but Google is still free, so I don't want to, you know, come here. I'm just gonna go Google it, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. And then, I don't know, what was the second one you're asking inclusivity. about? Inclusivity. So your four values are inclusivity, convenience, yeah. affordability, and safety, security. So I'd love to know more about your inclusivity values. Yeah. So like I said, um, my co-founder, Cassie, she is a user experience designer, like I mentioned. And, you know, a lot of what we do is to make sure that everyone who comes on the platform feels safe and included. Um, and what we try to do is, you know, collect you know, their information ahead of time when they sign up. So, you know, sexuality, making sure that people are not, you know, or our providers are not assuming someone is in one kind of, you know, relationship when they're not, right? Making sure they are identifying them with the right pronouns and things like that. Um, and just making sure people just feel like, okay, this is a safe place mm -hmm. um, and I'm not judged by who I am or what I identify as. And the providers are going to make, 
you know, informed decisions about how to answer my questions or my needs based on the things they know about me, yeah. right? In a positive light, of course. Um, so that's something that's really important to us, uh, even, you know, as far as like their physical, mental ability and so forth, um, being able to make sure we're not excluding certain people or certain types of abilities from that conversation, right? Um, in the best way that we can. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's that. And then, I mean, the convenience piece, same thing, right? You're on your phone yeah. every day, you text about anything. You can just pick up your phone and talk to a doctor. How mm-hmm. great is that? Like, I wish, like, I mean, now we're building it, but I wish I had this on campus when I was young in terms of like, oh, I have a question. I don't have to go to the health center. I don't have to see someone in person. I don't want to feel judged. What? Like, yeah. I just want to sit at home and just text and get mm-hmm. an answer, you know, to Google um, because at the end of the day when you do go to Google you just get like Google induced anxiety right and a lot of misinformation and we're trying to take away that anxiety but also give you the convenience at the same time right Um, and the right information that's not misinformation so so yeah we're on our phones young people are on their phones texting every day googling things I mean every day right so let's you know our goal is to become you know that platform where you know, they know that, okay, if I have a question, I can't see a doctor for whichever reason, I can come here. And it's super convenient for me to do so. Can you, um, you, can know, you talk a little bit more that. about like cultural sensitivity with sex education? So, I mean, a, a lot of these things involve, okay, so I would use myself as, as an example, right? So I come from Nigeria and I am African and um, I also happen to have the single cell traits, right? And my fiance, same thing. And that influences the decisions around even how we, you know, mm. conceive or have children, right? Um, if I'm asking a question about these things, I want a provider who like tell these things to be able to be like, oh, here are all your options based on what I know about you, right? Or here are the things, what is your like background? Like, are you from this region or that region? Like, what is your religious beliefs and things like that? in terms of giving you like options on what to do. Like what if, you know, you can't do this, but this is like the generic thing that everyone is supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And someone who's like culturally competent in that way, being able to be like, okay, I know that in this demographic or in this region, this is the things that are important. So I'm gonna ask questions relating to those things and be able to serve better, right? So that is something that's great about what we're doing. We're, we're trying as much as we can to have a really diverse body of clinicians on our platform. So Black, Hispanic, Asian, and, and so forth. Uh, and just making sure, you know, everyone who comes on the platform is feeling like they're represented in some degree. And they're talking to people who look like them, who understand their background. Um, so yeah. I love it. Does this have something to do with your foundation? Um, you have Click Gives. What is that foundation about? So, okay, so we started like this foundation um, right when the idea came about. And what we did with the foundation was essentially like outreach and education. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the work we did was in the LA area. So we started to host different events, um, bringing, you know, women together, giving them like free products. A lot of what we found was there were so many companies who were willing to, you know, send us free products. I mean, a lot of them want to get the word out about what they're doing, but it was also like a charitable donation for them, right? So we would host different drives and stuff like that to just make sure we're making sure the 
you know, underrepresented folks in the community are getting like period products or getting like skincare or getting things like that and are also getting education. So some of the workshops that we have, we would invite like different types of clinicians. So, you know, like the sex therapists, the OBGYNs, the nurse practitioners to kind of talk folks through like, okay, here are sanitary, you know, things that you should be doing. Here's how to take care of yourself when you're in your period. Here's how to uh, do X, Y, Z. Here's how to teach your child about sex or about, you know, periods and so forth. So sharing that kind of information for folks who wouldn't primarily have that at their fingertips, right? So we, um, that is essentially what that foundation does. It's more our outreach and information arm. Um, and, you know, we're trying to do our own part to educate people, like what we just mentioned, like even educating the health educators themselves, like, okay, this is how you should do this, and this is how you should reach out to people, right? And like I said, going back to creating that playbook is something we, you know, we've been doing with the nonprofit arm. Um, but yeah, so just from an outreach perspective, mostly. I love it because, you know, what we've found is that a lot of um, femtech innovators think that they have to be a nonprofit because they're doing good in the world. And so there's this paradigm that if you're doing good in the world, you shouldn't be making money from it, which is not true, y'all. You can do good and make money. And so that's really interesting that you have a for-profit startup, but you have a nonprofit arm that actually can feed right. your for-profit, right? Because what you're doing is the outreach and stuff, and then you you can tell them about Clit Health, you know, the for-profit part of it. And so you are doing good, and you're making money, and also it's a it's an opportunity for corporations to be involved because they love a write-off on their taxes. So that's that's a really good strategy. That's awesome. No, of course. I mean, we do do as much as we can to keep it as separate as possible. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah. Like, of course, legal purposes. Legal perspective, yeah, but yes, it's tied into the same exact mission. Mm -hmm. Um, it is the same thing. A lot of what we're doing is health educational information as of right now, right? And that is if we can do our part to make that free and even partner with organizations that are already doing it, right? To you know, spread that information and be of service in some way. But then for us, like focusing on the business side of it, and even as the business, even doing like charitable things, so to speak, that feed into the nonprofit, right? Mm -hmm. um, as we make money through the business, we can even serve greater good, you know, through the nonprofit and vice versa. Um, so that's kind of the whole idea around that. Yeah. I love it. So keeping it separate, but still having the same exact, you know, mission and vision. So, yeah. yeah. Crystal, if one of our listeners wants to do something in femtech, but they don't know what needs innovating, what would you recommend? What are some areas in femtech that need more innovation? Okay, so that's a good question. Um, I, I would say a lot of, you know, some of the best companies or best ideas are born out of people's lived experiences, right? And a lot of what some companies fail to do is like create products based on things that they think should be in the world, uh, but not necessarily what people actually need. Mm. Uh, so having a lot of like, you know, user interviews and well, potential user interviews and have creating workshops where people actually identify the things there are like pain points, right? What do you need? Why was that experience not so great for you and so forth? Um, I know a couple of companies uh, that, you know, are focused on doing that kind of thing, like hosting workshops specifically for women to share why 
this is not working. Um, so you use a period tracker. Why do you not use this versus this? And they tell you, well, this is not tracking things correctly and blah, blah, blah. So just learning the landscape and actually talking to people. Uh, when we first started, I think we had we had hundreds of interviews, like in person over the phone and so forth, just asking people, like, what is your pain point? Like, what is the problem? Like, why don't you share? And it was a thing of like, we want like people wanting like a safe space to do so and not really finding one um, and an affordable safe space with that. Right. So like I said, just talking is the way to start. Um, you know, your experience could be your experience, but you would be surprised how your experience is also the experience of many people. But before you make a decision on like to go into the business of doing that, you have to talk to your, like your potential customers. I love like, who that. Who is your customer? You know, uh, is the customer the health plan? Is it the individual? Is it like, you know, employers or whatnot? Like understanding who your customers are and also like whose needs you're serving and who's going to pay for it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> pay for it. Well, you know, yeah. I think that your suggestion is really interesting and speaks to femtech at large because the needs of women, unfortunately, are not obvious because we are told that it's just us experiencing it. It's probably in our head um, and that nobody else is feeling this way. And so you shouldn't talk about it. Right. And so it's interesting that your response to what needs innovating is ask people what they're bothered with because we don't even know, right? We don't even know what needs innovating because we're not talking about what problems we're experiencing as women. For sure. Wow. And what do you think femtech as an industry needs the most right now? You know, most people think I say fintech or they think I mean just female founders, right? And like part of our podcast is about what is femtech. Um, what do you think our industry needs right now? Uh, it needs more innovation it needs more people joining the conversation um i believe for it to become its own thing i mean and now femtech is becoming its own thing and like i said like investors and different stakeholders are being more interested in it for many many reasons um but you know being it it, it really needs you know first innovation based on things that women need like we just talked about Right. Um, and it needs like more backing funding wise mm -hmm. um, for, you know, I'm saying like some investors are interested, but not as many as should be. Right. Because it's not I mean, it is something that's hot now, but it should have been a long, long time ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And there should be more money pumped into these types of innovations because they're great. Um, and, you know, when you when you look at all the companies that are like, you know, female related, they're doing very well. Yep. Right. And that really shows you that there is a market, there is a need, uh, it is underserved, so it should be served. Right. Um, and the more companies spring up and actually, you know, get funding and get in news and get like mm -hmm. some kind of press, then people are like, oh, that company just raised X million of uh, dollars. Oh, so that is a thing. And then we're hearing more and more people be like, oh, it is a thing. Mm -hmm. They're you know, here's their user rates, here's their revenue, here's their, you know, uh, summaries and stuff. This is something you should get on. And the more you see that, the more people take it more seriously. That's right. And I feel like, you know, there have been opportunities, you know, to showcase what, you know, women's health means and what it is. Um, you know, there have been always like the traditional ways of getting care, like from an OBGYN and whatnot. Uh, but the world is changing. And, you know, there has to be more ways to have access, but, you know, 
encouraging the people who are innovating <laughs> by actually believing in them and what they're doing um, yeah. is like the, the main that needs to change one of my biggest goals i just came up with this last night so this is the first you're going to be the first person to hear it i my one of nice. my goals for femtech focus is to get pitch book and crunch base to add femtech as a tag yes oh absolutely right because i um i've been trying to search for femtech companies and it literally is the hardest thing to filter on because I, if i there's no femtech tags on anything and then if i do um health it's, I mean, it's everything, right? And I'm like, there's not even a women's health tag. And if there is on like Google or something, it's, you know, OBGYN and fertility clinics, which is, is you know, that's women's health and wellness, but I'm talking innovation. And so come on, pitch book, come on, crunch base, femtech tag, femtech tag. <laughs> femtech tag. <laughs> well, Crystal, this has been so much fun. Um, I will definitely let our listeners know how to find Clit Health. I wish you the best. Keep us updated with uh, your progress and let us know how we can support you at Femtech Focus. This has been really fun. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. This was a really fun conversation. At some point, I even forgot you were recording, but this was really fun. That's the point. That's the point. Casual and fun conversation between Femtech thought leaders. So this has been great. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, no, Crystal. Talk to you soon. Mm -hmm. Bye. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to my interview with Crystal Ivalocha, founder and CEO of Clit Health. If you have a question about sex or reproductive health, be sure to download her app or go to the website at clithealth.com. I love talking to her about empowering women at a young age um, so they don't have to you know, go decades with questions or thinking that they're terminally alone in what they're wondering about or just using WebMD or Google as their only resource. I loved thinking that her platform could not only empower women, but potentially could disrupt the whole sex ed industry, providing material that actually helps educate young people, especially in the United States at least, right, about sex, safe sex, you know, um, reproductive health for women who do want to get pregnant or don't want to get pregnant, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, <clears throat> awareness and education is so empowering, and I'm, I'm really proud of what she's working on, especially bridging the nonprofit and the for-profit side. That's, it's amazing. Thank you, Crystal, for being on the show. Now, listeners, don't forget to get your tickets for Cindy Eckert. Again, that's May 6th. Um, if you are not in central time zone, perhaps you're in Tokyo. We have listeners from Tokyo. Maybe you're in Sydney where 2 p.m. central is 3 a.m. a.m. your time, right? In the middle of the night. Well, we do have a ticket where you can pay $10 to get a recording sent to you afterwards. So Femtech is international and we respect all time zones. So regardless of where you are, get your tickets before they run out. Uh, you can get them on our website at www.femtechfocus.com. And after you get your tickets, please support the podcast by sharing it with your network and subscribing, rating, and reviewing it. Also, follow us on social media at Femtech Focus. We're on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook. We're on all of them. Did you know that we've only been promoting this podcast for two weeks? We already have over 300 subscribers from around the world around the world. That's so amazing. And so tell your friends that this podcast is blowing up and you're one of the first listeners to it. 
And, you know, I want to know what you want to hear on this podcast. So shoot me a message on one of those social media channels, and I personally will be sure to respond to you. Let me know who you think I should be interviewing, what I should be talking about, what are topics in women's health and wellness that you want to hear about. This is your podcast. I'm just providing the vessel for it. So let me know what you want to know. Until next time, keep innovating in femtech, and I hope to see you in my inbox. Later. Later.